Hello everyone, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that are focused on four themes. Autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. And we are so thrilled to be offering one of the first of its kind digital, virtual, and continuous learning environments, enabling parents and children to connect from all around the world. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild family, community, and relationships. Our different social media platforms provide us with an opportunity to have discussions Discussions and to create space on all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education play a role and have played a role in our societies at large. These discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, this translates as recreating and co-creating environments both socially and politically that will enable our children to thrive. For those of you who are particularly keen on the topic, we also write thought pieces every other Sunday. We actually are scheduling a thought piece to drop this upcoming Sunday. So be sure to meander over to our website and check out our online content. Now, if it is the case that you are looking for a listening alternative, well, we're available on 12 different podcast platforms for your listening leisure. And we provided you with access to the links in the description down below. Now, as is the convention, be sure to subscribe, hit that post notification bell so that you are aware of every time we post. And of course, if you like these conversations and you want to keep them going, like, comment, and share this segment. Let's get into it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another segment here on Project Purpose. For those of you who are new, we cover topics that relate to mental health, mental wellness, and education on a week-by-week basis. And today, our topic of discussion is on education. On the topic of education, I'm going to be continuing the conversation on myself. I'm going to be continuing the conversation around narcissistic abuse. So I have started the conversation in an earlier video this week. I talked a lot about my own personal journey my own healing journey around having been raised in a narcissistic family structure and how being raised in a highly functioning narcissistic family structure has influenced me and my becoming and how that reached a catalyst to the point where I decided to go no contact and the retaliation that I experienced as a result of going no contact. I want to continue the conversation this week because I think there's a lot of miseducation around surviving narcissistic abuse because many survivors are dealing with 
the dual reality of, you know, what it is that they experienced in and of itself, and then trying to peel back the layers behind how they perceive that experience because they themselves were influenced by some of the narcissist narrative. And so for me, I was not influenced by the narcissistic narrative. I have always been a truth teller. So the black sheep of the family, I've always stood out. I've always stood my ground. And I think that it's really very important, the first notion, and I think that this is going to be a video where I kibosh a lot of the misconceived notions around surviving narcissistic abuse or what being a survivor of narcissistic abuse entails because I think that there's a lot of assumptions that are just false assumptions that make it really hard for someone to be vocal about what it is that they're experiencing and also easy for you to discount the experience once you've heard it and so that was a lot of what I experienced a lot of people discounting my experience with abuse because of my personality and I think that it's very misguided to assume that narcissists only target people who are vulnerable who are very weak-willed who are already victims and people who are pliable and people who are ready to please. I think that that is like the most harmful misconception and a lot of people would discount when I would be vocal about the abuse and some of the conversations that I would have with my mother, especially uh, who was really the the source of the narcissistic abuse that I personally experienced. and. Uh, I was discounted a lot, right? And I think that a lot of people just saw my strength, saw my personality, saw the fact that I was ready to stand my ground. I was ready to defend myself always. And they saw me also defending myself against my mother. So they thought to themselves, well, how could she be subject to abuse? And so I was raised really feeling like there was really no point to me sharing my story with people who would easily discount me. A lot of it had to do with the fact that a lot of people saw that I was raised with a certain degree of privilege that they themselves didn't have. I had parents who were both very educated. My mother has her doctorate degree. My father had his master's in theology. My parents were very well respected. And so when I would speak against my parents or speak against the dynamics that were taking place, it fell on deaf ears. A lot of people just assumed that I was entitled. A lot of people assumed that I was spoiled. And I think that my parents really played into that, right? So they made sure to give me a lot of material things so that anytime I was vocal and I did speak up about what it was like living in my home, they just discounted me as a spoiled rat, right? And I think that that is so problematic because material belongings, having possessions, having a certain status does not discount a family or a certain dynamic from being abusive. And I think a lot of people just assume that abuse happens in a specific setting or that abuse happens within a specific lens, right? And I think abuse can happen regardless of where you stand in society. Abuse can happen whether you are raised by professionals or whether you're raised by people who have been going through general generational struggle. And I think that that was one of the biggest sources of contention for me and even being vocal. I actually ended up leveraging it as a tool where I found that when I was vocal, when I decided to share with someone what my experiences were growing up and they wrote it off or they minimized it, they diminished it, I wrote that person off, right? So it became this very quick and easy way of deciding who was in my court and who wasn't based on how people responded and reacted to me sharing my story about how it was that I suffered a lot of psychological and emotional abuse from my mother about how a lot of the dynamics between me and my brother had to do with competition and I am someone who is built to perform right so like I rose to the challenge right like my mother used to always say well you know I had three under three and I still managed to get my degree my mom formerly was trained as a nurse 
And she would tell me that I would never rise up to that because I was too spoiled and I was too entitled to have that drive. So part of me getting two degrees, I have two undergraduate degrees in institutional communications as well as in cognitive neuroscience. While working full time was to prove that I could do equivalent. I could put in equivalent amount of work while I was not interested in getting married young and in having children given that I survived my family dynamic. I was like, well, this is equivalent, right? This is the equivalent amount of blood, sweat and equity. My mother had a lot of health issues because she was entrepreneurial. She kept pushing the needle on her career and she always chose her career over her family. And so I felt that I wasn't succeeding in life or I wasn't working as hard unless I was myself dealing with health concerns. And I honestly believe, like I had mentioned in a few videos, that when it was the case that I was uh, injured, I had a freak accident where I was burned. I had second degree burns on my legs. That recovery process was so complicated because I was challenged when I rested, right? So I was challenged in that my mother saw resting and taking a period to restore as weakness. So like I ended up developing a lot of digestive issues. I think even my, my gluten intolerance developed at that point in time. I was probably always sensitive to, to gluten, but I became completely intolerant to gluten because of the stress that my body was under and the fact that I wasn't resting, right? So other things started to break down in my recovery of my burns. And, re and remember again, like burns, it was a two year recovery period that was extended for me because I just wasn't doing all the things that the doctor had ordered by way of stress management. And I think that forget that our body is a full united system, right? Like if you are physically recovering, the amount of mental and emotional stress that you're dealing with will also impact the physical recovery process. And I had to learn, and I did choose to learn, to silence my mother's voice because it was impeding my ability to get better. I think about like the generational layers of trauma, and a part of that is like high performance. Like in my family, high performance is a thing, but at your own personal detriment. And I had to tell myself, well, I want to be a high performer, but I can't do it to my own detriment because then that's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive intuitive to succeed to my own ruin, right? So I'm, I'm, I wasn't interested in doing that. And so it's interesting because I started to, as I was growing and maturing, just use logic, right? Use logic to really start to see the problems in some of the expectations that I was being held to in my family. And I just realized that it was just toxic. My mother trying to get me to self-destruct in the way that I pursued success because she was self-destructive in the way that she pursued success because she was trying to account for what she felt was lacking in herself because of her trauma. And I think that part of my journey, because like, you know, my mother was maybe the first person that I connected with, obviously she's my mother, who subjected me to narcissistic abuse. But what happens, and I'm a huge believer of energy, is that it created for me empathy towards someone who suffers from narcissism, someone who really can't see you thrive, can't see you win without seeing it, seeing it as their own failure or seeing it as putting a shadow on their own successes. I felt empathy because I saw where it came from. I saw all the trauma that built into my mother being the way that she was. And I saw the pain behind why she was the way she was. So I would make allowances for her because I'm like, well, you know what? Like she's been through so much trauma. She's been through so much pain. There's so much that she would want to have validated, but the people who will refuse to validate it, like I have to just forgive her and let it go. 
And what it created was a threshold for abuse. It was just far too deep, right? So it just made me have to deal with cycles of dealing with narcissistic abuse that I would cut, right? So I had to just continuously learn to shorten and to decrease my threshold over time. So with my mother, I had developed like a very deep threshold for abuse. Even though I fought back, I still tolerated far too much, right? If you were raised in a healthy dynamic, the amount of abuse that you would tolerate by way of verbal emotional abuse would be significantly less than what I tolerated because I had the skin, I had developed the thick skin to deal with it. So I had learned through, you know, narcissistic relationships. My first few romantic partners definitely were highly emotionally and verbally abusive. And I had to learn through each of those relationships as I grew and developed the strength to break away from those relationships that my threshold was just too deep. I had too much empathy for how I saw these behaviors manifest, right? And when you can understand why someone orients the way that they do, you can sense the pain that these people are carrying. You can't not be compassionate towards it, but what I've learned is I, I can be compassionate from a distance. I can be compassionate, but not subject myself or expose myself to harm by still allowing myself to be connected to these individuals. And that has been a lifelong journey. So it's interesting because if you met me later in my life, like in my later 20s or my earlier 30s, like my threshold for abuse, any kind of abuse, verbal, emotional, psychological, of course, I'm very sensitive to it. I can be, I know when it's happening, even if it's very subtle. My threshold has become zero. And understand it's been a lifelong progression towards zero. And it was in returning back from France, experiencing so much healing in France, that I recognized that I just didn't have the threshold for the abuse anymore. I didn't have the desire to stay connected to people who were comfortable abusing me and hurting me and hurting my feelings, allowing themselves to feel like they had to pit themselves against me. And because of that, resented me and had contempt towards me. And I was okay with having relationships that had underlying contempt and resentment because that was the dynamic that I was born into. So I think it's important for anyone who's surviving narcissism and who's kind of dealing with the aftermath of it to recognize it can happen to anyone. I was born into it and a lot of us wonder like what it is that is wrong with us and there's nothing wrong with us. If it is the case that we have been victimized by people who are narcissistic, I think that it is just certain profiles of individuals who are predatory and you may or may not cross paths with these individuals and just understand that it's part of growth and learning to understand how to combat and how to defend yourself against these kinds of individuals. And while it made me susceptible to further narcissistic abuse, like I had mentioned that I was being stalked, I had a mentor who saw an opportunity once he saw that I was completely isolated from my family, that I was trying to do the healing work by creating distance and going no contact with my family. And he saw that as an opportunity to bank on my isolation by trying to get a business case for Project Purpose for Adults. And that was essentially how the stalking began. It was him and a few peers within my MBA who saw an opportunity to make Project Purpose a program for adults, not recognizing that that was the evolution that I had in mind already. And then from there, things just kind of escalated and spiraled out of control. And so while I like to say that I live a very even keel life, I don't care for unnecessary drama. Like I find that being a strong personality, having a high threshold for abuse, it creates a lot of ripples, right? Because you attract people who see your threshold for abuse and 
and then get confused by the strength in your personality and then they find themselves in this power dynamic with you that they didn't expect to be in because they thought it would be easy to abuse you or to assert themselves over you not recognizing that I am a byproduct of my <laughs> the setting that I grew up in right my personality is much stronger than my threshold for abuse and my threshold for abuse again has diminished over time but it hasn't changed the fact that I still attract people who are abusive and I think that because my threshold is now zero it almost creates like this challenge I think people feel a narcissistic wound to some extent but I think that they need to recognize that those wounds have healed they're for the most part healed I guess <laughs> but I think that to assume that just because you know I grew up in a specific setting that that means I have a specific orientation or a way of presenting I think that is a false assumption a lot of the narratives around people who survive narcissism it really paints a victim narrative and I've never been a victim of narcissistic abuse I've always been a survivor of narcissistic abuse I've always challenged the abuse I've always known it was wrong I've never played into it and it's built a lot of skills and a lot of tools that people who haven't been raised in those environments simply do not have my my empathy is a byproduct of being raised by people who just were too caught up in their own suffering to see me beyond the suffering that they themselves experienced but also my ability to tap into someone's emotional footprint tap into what someone's experiencing to be able to support myself and navigate accordingly that came from being raised in those environments so I think that we need to really be careful with how we paint people who have survived abuse and how we make assumptions about how those individuals orient because I can tell you if you're following the dominant narrative around how someone engages and behaves if they have been subject to abuse I'm going to cut you off guard if you follow a certain set of assumptions about the ways that you can manipulate or control me as a byproduct of how I've been primed I think that you're going to be caught off guard because my parents failed and if they failed I trust and believe that anyone who came after them who have tried to assert themselves over me has also failed because I've always chosen myself and I will continue to choose myself but now I recognize that it's important that I share my story so that those who are learning to choose themselves see that it's possible right but it also means that you need to be cognizant of the kinds of people that you can and cannot just have in your life and if you're subject to narcissistic abuse people who are temp tepid like lukewarm people are a nightmare to have in your life because they are the bandwagoners who will go with any narrative against you because maybe there's underlying contempt jealousy envy that they have towards you and they're just waiting for one little ripple to ride in order to destroy you right and I think destruction is something that can only really take place in circles of people who aren't for you and I had a lot of threshold to deal with a lot of behaviors of people who were superficially my friends but I think deep down just wanted an occasion or an opportunity for failure and then bank on that and like I mean I, I, I definitely went through betrayal but I couldn't say that I was horribly surprised because I knew the kind of people I surrounded myself with and so now I would much prefer my own company being in solitude than to be around people who are tepid be around people who are lukewarm be around people who are competitive who have their own issues that make it hard for them to be okay with the success of other people right and I am someone who will always celebrate you I will always celebrate your success I believe in the beauty of life so it doesn't matter if I'm struggling or if it doesn't matter if I'm on top like it's just for me all equivalent experiences of growth and development that I appreciate very deeply because I see my evolution through it so I, I really want this conversation to be one of many conversations that really changes 
the tone and sets the stage for survivorship of narcissistic abuse from a survivor themselves instead of people who maybe have studied individuals who have layers of their own bias playing into their their findings and their the outcomes of those studies. I, and I, I listen to it. I have to say that I've listened to quite a lot of it as I've been dealing on my own and there's so much that I just completely disagree with. I'm going to talk about it from a personal vantage point, leveraging my background in cognitive neuroscience, of course, and like making it as pragmatic as possible so many people can decide to what extent they fit into that narrative. But I think we need to change the conversation so that less people think that people who have been subjected to narcissistic abuse have been subjected to people who have tried to dominate or to assert themselves over the, those individuals or weaponize their mental health or weaponize any aspects of their character against them. Like, you can fight back. And there's different ways to fight back, but I found that the way that I fought back, it required a lot of endurance, right? I had to really endure a lot of emotional and mental and psychological pain to be able to fight back appropriately, accordingly. Sometimes you think you have to give someone enough rope for them to hang themselves when you're dealing with a narcissist who's very good at abusing from the shadows, right? And I think because I was raised in a setting where I had highly sophisticated narcissistic family structures in place and I've learned how to navigate that, it's very easy for me to sense when it is the case that I need to endure and that I need to kind of stand back, but for the greater good in the, in, in the future and to push forward. And for me, like I've had to sit silent because I want to do this all the right way. I want to make sure that my P's and Q's were in place, that I dotted my I's and I crossed my T's and it, it, it took quite a bit of mental fortitude in order to do that but I'm here now ready to engage and have those conversations now with you. So that was it but definitely not all. It's really scratching the surface of a larger conversation that all of us need to have because many of us are dealing with some degree of subjugation and I think that it's time that we break free together. Now before letting you go I would be remiss if I didn't let you know that we will be going live at least twice a month every month for the foreseeable future on our Facebook page so definitely be sure to tune in. Now these events are paid events so if you do see yourself participating in our community on an ongoing basis then I do suggest that you take a look at one of our package plans. So we do offer package plans over and above our live events as well as access to webinars and workshops largely focused on self-mastery over and above these events. So be sure to tune in, be part of the game changer community, being part of the change that you want to see, allowing us a small role to play in your journey. We are on the road to 1K so we do invite you to follow us across all of our social media platforms and we look forward to chatting with all of you very soon we'll talk to you later